right, thank you for tuning in. This is the first episode of Bad Wins and Good Losses. I'm your host. My name is Jonathan, a.k.a. The underscore Fat underscore John on pretty much everything that you will find me on, Instagram, Twitter. Um, this will be a podcast essentially encompassing um, all of the four major sports, that is basketball, football, baseball, and soccer. Um, not really going to touch on the MLS too much because, well, it's the MLS. But outside of that, um, I will also be discussing um, basketball, you know, the offseason, during the regular season. Right now, of course, we are currently in the playoffs, and that is kind of the hot topic right now. I do have two guests on with me right now. Um, that is Steve and Chris. Um, Chris, you want to say anything? My name is Chris. You can find me at Panic at the Bando on pretty much everything. I don't post because Twitter don't be letting the nigga live. But yeah. Steve. And uh, Steve speaking here. Uh, follow me on any social media account at Stevie underscore the the second with two eyes. And just here to have a good time, you know? Alright, well, we're going to get away and get right into it. Um, just for some background, Chris is a Hornets fan, so he's used to poverty, but they are, you know, getting better season by season. Steve is a tenured Nets fan, so he is definitely used to poverty. I um, mean, he's going to be let down this year anyway. I'm going through it right now. So, starting things off, we're going to look at the current playoff outlook. Um, we know currently, you know, right now we're talking live. This is April 23rd. Um, the Sixers just lost to the Raptors, so that makes their series at 3-1, but... As for the remainder, as for the remainder of the teams in the playoffs, you know you currently have the the Utah Jazz. They're down two one. They're playing right now. Um, the Brooklyn Nets and the Celtics. They're playing, and the Nets are down two zero. But they're going back to Brooklyn. You of course have the Heat that are up. What what are they three one currently? Not two one. Two one. They're up two one currently on the Hawks, and they're in Atlanta. Um, I know it's I know it's a, a good team. I'm forgetting. I know Memphis and Minnesota. They're at two one right now, and they're in Minnesota, but. You know, John Moran just walked off and basically said, we in, we in Memphis while they're in Minnesota. So they don't respect them too much. Um, you know, we already know the Warriors are probably going to sweep the, um, the Denver Nuggets. You know, Jokic is pretty much giving it everything he's got, but they're probably going to get swept anyway. Um, so we can go ahead and get right into it. Is there, any, is there any series right now where a team is down and you think they're po- they have a possibility of, of righting the ship and, and getting to the next round? Yeah, the closest thing I could say is probably Brooklyn. You know, if they can scratch a win tonight, maybe they'll be moved, taking a step in the right direction. But mm. if they can win tonight, they got um, Ben Simmons coming back game four. I think that will help them a lot uh, just because he can rebound, defend, and basically, push the pace on offense. Yeah, basically, all the weaknesses that Brooklyn has right now is he's coming in to basically help out with all of those issues that, you know, that can take them over the not necessarily take them over the top, but you know make things a little bit better and smooth going for you know Katie and Kyrie. Hopefully, well that's the hope. But I mean, well let me ask: Do you think Ben Simmons is going to help with like how Katie's been scoring this series? Because right now, I mean, I'm not saying he's declining, but this is I think the worst we've seen KD in the playoffs. I think probably in his entire career. Well, the issue with what's going on with KD is I think. This is the first time in his career that he's had to deal with the type of defense that he's going with at pretty much every level that the Celtics can throw at him. You know, they're having a hard – he's having a hard time, you know. 
he's so used to getting to his spots and only dealing with one defender. But from judging by from the last two games, he's getting three, four contested hands on every jump shot he takes. Same thing with Kyrie. So it makes it, you know, difficult for them to try and do what they do. And, you know, being as a Nets fan, watching how we necessarily run offense is the Celtics are willing to take away that iso ball to make you make you give it up to, you know, all the other guys around you. And when you've basically been playing basketball the whole year the same way, and then in the playoffs when a team game plans against it and you don't have an adjustment, then that's what starts to kill you. So maybe Ben Simmons can help with that, you know, with his ability to rebound, you know, pass, run the floor, you know, maybe maybe throw out some small ball lineups where he can potentially play the five, maybe the four, you know, certain stuff. But it just gives you a different look from what you got right now because it's not working. So at this point, it's just a, a piece that will help them figure something out because if they don't, like I said, tonight will probably be the kicker. You lose this game, there's no point of them even playing game four because you're not coming back. Chris? Yeah. I mean – of course, if they lose tonight, it's going to be over. Um, I don't know if Robert Williams is coming back for the series, but they do expect him to come back at some point during the playoffs. Yeah, I actually expect him to come back today. So, oh, shit, yeah. If if Robert Williams comes back, it might be it might cause problems whether Ben Simmons is there or not. Yeah, um, he was a person who I had in the defensive player of the year conversation before his injury at the end of the season. He plays really really well. He's he's I think one of the most underrated centers in the league, and he's a pretty good passer as well. Something that uh, and just takes their the defense that are already smothering defense that they run just takes it to a whole nother level. So. Yeah, Celtics have a whole lot of players on their team that are just great individual defenders for one and team defenders. Having Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum on the perimeter, and then having somebody like Robert Williams on the inside is insane so I think they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs especially now that it seems like they've figured they figured everything out um I give them a I, I give them a shot at making the championship I think they can play with I think they can hang out I think they can, they can hang with anybody in the league I don't see anybody really being able to blow them off the court and shouts out to Al Horford because he is playing wonderfully right now yes, he's another really good defender I didn't think he'd have it in him at this age, but. So let me ask: Do you think Kyrie and KD are just playing bad? Like they're forcing a lot of shots, or do you think like they're failing to get their teammates involved? Because you know, like every superstar, like you know, when you get to the playoffs, you go through those spurts. Like I think one of the one of the few superstars that I can think back to is probably Kawhi when he was in Toronto. You know, that series against Philly, I always think back to that and how. Everybody on his team was shrinking in the moment in the second round. And basically Kawhi willed them through Philly. But in every other like in every other round of the playoffs that I think of, like the conference championship, Pascal and you know, Pascal and the rest of them were playing were playing were playing an amazing basketball. Marcus All, Pascal, like the rest of the bench started to show up. And then in the finals, of course, you know, Fred Van Fleet went crazy. So do you think like are you do you feel like your your role players are just playing terribly? Do you think Steve Nash is just coaching badly. Do you think it's a combination, or do you think it's just really just all on Kyrie and KD? Like, they're just playing terrible basketball right now, and they're not playing winning basketball. Well, I think the issue is is that – Because I personally think Steve Nash can't coach. Like, I feel like he really is just going out there and it's like, 
you know, Katie and Kyrie go brr, and like they just they that that's what they sinking on. Like that's well, I'm not necessarily ready to jump on that Steve Nash can't coach narrative just yet. I think that, you know, from the what this being his second year with the team, that he's had a lot of different lineups he's had to deal with. Um, the COVID thing probably made things a little bit tougher for that for that aspect. Um, you know, starting off the season wondering if Kyrie's going to play, if he's not going to play, KD getting hurt early on, and just guys around the team just not used to doing certain things where, you know, at one point the Nets were, were, were having a hard time winning games. I think at one point they lost 12 games in a row or something like that. So it's like guys having not knowing what, exactly what their roles are, and then when KD and Kyrie comes back, it's basically just, you know, give them the ball, set them a screen, you know, and let them do what they do, let them get to their spots. You know, if they can find somebody open or dump it off to somebody who can have an easy shot, maybe. But, you know, when you come into the playoffs and the team's game plan against it and are willing to, you know, let other guys around them beat them, and when they show that they can't, you know. My, my one thing I always say is that in order to – change a, te- a way a team game plans against you is you have to show them different looks. And I think so far, I think that's where the knock on Steve Nash is because he's never he hasn't gotten to the point where he's adjusted to, you know, figuring out what's the best way to, you know, figure out something different from what he's already seen. And, you know, game two was a prime example, you know, being up 16 and then a killer part was going into halftime and the Celtics cutting that deficit to 10 was, a, a, to me, a key factor because you gave them confidence to think, you know, the way they were playing, they should have been, they should have never came back in that game. And for them to walk in the locker room saying, despite everything that we've done so far, playing terribly and we're only down 10, gives anybody confidence to say, you know what, we still got a shot in this game. So I think right now Steve Nash is having a hard time making adjustments but not so far as, you know, saying he's a bad coach. I can't go that far yet because with so many moving parts he's had to deal with since he's been here, I kind of kind of understand where he's coming from. But then again, you know, you coaching at the highest level, you got to learn how to figure stuff out. That's why you have assistant coaches on your staff who are either, you know, he's got a couple of newcomers and then he has, you know, veterans that have seen stuff like this before. So I think it's as a collective group that they haven't, you know, figured it all out yet. So I think that's what their issue is right now. Okay. I can respect that. I mean, I think good points were made. Chris? Uh, I think Steve Nash got to do better with getting his stars easy shots. Um, from what I've seen, like they, Kyrie and KD both got to work for, for the shots that they take. Even the first game where Kyrie was going off, those weren't easy shots he was taking. He, he was making those shots because Kyrie's an elite player. But you, you got to come up with some sets to get your, your best players clean looks. I don't mean that. It doesn't have necessarily have to happen every time down the court, but you should have like some like out-of-time-out out of sets or inbound plays, something to get a clean look and get your players into rhythm. Um, one thing I think they can do is put KD and Kyrie in a pick-and-roll. They don't – they haven't really been doing that this series. I don't know why, but um, – Kind of like what Chris Middleton and – Giannis does with the Bucks. Yeah. So I when Kyrie and LeBron were on the Cavs, when they ran the pick and roll, it was like they were almost unstoppable. I know KD ain't the same type of player as LeBron, but 
he's still one of the greatest offensive players ever. So they can figure something out. And you just got to do something to get, help your help your superstars get, get clean looks. They shouldn't have to go out one-on-one every single time down the court. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess – I guess that's why, like, I guess that's what brings me to my whole, like, I think Steve Nash is a bad coach thing. Because, I mean, even if you do, even with all the moving pieces you've had throughout the entire season, and don't get me wrong, you know, the Nets have had a lot of moving pieces. But also, like, the last few years in the NBA, injuries have been a major thing for every NBA team. So everybody has moving pieces. Like, and, you know, that's not to say, you know, Kyrie was in the line. At one point, Kyrie was in the lineup today, but he wasn't in the lineup the next day. Then he was in the lineup two days later, but he wouldn't be in the lineup for the next three games. So I get it. You have moving pieces, but I agree with Chris. You have to have, like, at least – at least I'm not even saying you have to, you know, be Greg Popovich or Spolstra or Steve Kerr, you know. Like, you don't have to have 30 different sets that you can run for your stars to get them an open shot. But, you know, you need your stars to get hot in the playoffs. Like – your, your superstars or your stars or your team, those are the guys that are going to will you to win a game most, more often than not. And the fact that the only way KD and Kyrie are going to get hot is they have to iso ball every single time down the floor, I just don't think that's going to get it done. Yeah, but I also put some of the blame on, you know, the front office staff and, you know, personnel uh, guys uh, uh, above the team because when you look at some of the rotations that the Nets put out, it makes you wonder, like, you know, what makes you, what made you make this this decision to, you know, bring in this type of player? Like, you know, why bring in a guy like Lamarcus Aldridge if you don't use him in a certain way? I mean, because I think, you know, certain ways. So another reason that that I think the Nets are getting hurt is because, you know, sometimes Katie and Kyrie trying to get to those spots, but other guys can't do certain things around the other spots of the floor, and they can only do certain things towards the basket. Like, like for example, you know, starting Andre Drummond and then coming in with Nick Claxton, who are pretty much doing the same thing, but not giving you anything offensively. Maybe a guy like Aldridge can come in the game who's proven that he can stretch the floor, he can do things in the post, he can stretch the – stretch the defense out to a three ball. So maybe that, you know, you can get easier looks at the basket because teams have to respect him from certain spots of the floor. But you would just be sacrificing defense like, yeah, altogether. Yeah, but, but at this point you're already sacrificing defense because other than Ben Simmons, who else is going to do it? That's fair. So, and I and it's just, you know, bringing in guys like Goran Dragic or, you know, not giving the young guys like uh, Kessler Edwards or Cam, or Cam Thomas who – to me, I'm I'm a little upset because Cam Thomas, you know, during the season showed you, you know, that he can, you know, handle that 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 scoring off the bench can be that spark plug that can get you going sometimes. And then, you know, now it's like, you know, you forget about him and you see around the NBA where all of these different young guys playing for these NBA teams who are actually playing pretty well. I think Cam Thomas could have been one of those guys, but you know, I feel like you've just given up on him. So. I credit that to Steve Nash, but I also credit that to the decision-making in the front office because, you know, you brought in all these guys and it's kind of hard to put a rotation because either, even another example is KD has to play 40 minutes a game because who's the forward you're bringing off the bench to replace him? You Blake know, Griffin? You, you can bring – they're not even, playing, <laughs> not even playing Blake Griffin, so you really? can't even say that. Then the only person I can that I can come to mind with is Kessler Edwards, but – He's been in and out of the lineup, so you don't know what type of experience, what type of things they show at him, 
what exactly what he can really do to affect the game because, you know, he's in he's he comes in certain games and then he'll go a whole week, two weeks without even playing. So, you know, it makes it it's difficult because like I said, I'm not saying I'm like I said, I'm not ready to put Steve Nash on that, you know, that hill of saying like, yo, you're just a terrible coach, but at the same time, his rotations make you scratch your head and say, you know what, I don't understand where you're coming from on this one. So, you know, it's kind of like a double, it's like a double-sided, I mean, a two-sided coin, basically. Like he, he's, it's like he's just guessing and saying, I'm going to just throw you out here and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, I'm just going to have to go back with Kyrie and KD and just let them be who they are. And like I said, Boston has made it a point to say, we're not going to let you two beat us. We're going to make you force feed other guys, get them involved, and, you know, at this point, at least basically just keep you in the game because other than that, it's nothing you can really do. Okay. All right. Well, this has been too much Brooklyn Nets talk. Uh, I'm going to say that first and foremost. It's never too much Brooklyn Nets um, talk. You know, again, this is a team that's down 2-0, so they might be, getting, they might be going fishing by next week anyway. Um, but going towards the rest, the rest of the playoffs right now, so are the Nets the only team that you all see – Coming, coming back from being down right now, like would y'all say everybody else is just locked up? Like, if you down, you kind of out. It's possible the Jazz come back, but I, I, I just you can't trust you can't trust them niggas. Um, Rudy Gobert is too easily exploitable on offense and defense. You put him, get him anywhere on the perimeter, get him a five that can shoot. Like Maxi Kleber lit him up in the first two games. Um, but it's I can't even put all of it on him because the rest of the team is just awful defensively, um, especially Donovan Mitchell. He's like a turnstile on the perimeter. It's crazy seeing how he is defensively now compared to what people were touting him up to be coming out of college. I mean, he's gotten worse defensively kind of like every year. Somebody actually put up like a stat, like people being guarded by – and it was actually comparing Donovan Mitchell to Devin Booker. And they were saying, like, you know, like, it's it's a difference between, like, when a guy buys in on the defensive end versus when a guy, like, starts to, like, I guess, feel his own hype. Because it was showing, like, in this rookie season, Donovan Mitchell was shooting, like, people guarded by Donovan Mitchell was shooting, like, 43%. I think it was, like, 42 point something, but basically, like, 43% when you round up. And Devin Booker's was at, like, 49%. And now when you look at this past season, Donovan Mitchell's was at 50%. And Devin Booker's is at 41%. So it's kind of like, like I, I don't know, maybe he just, or maybe he just, maybe he really just doesn't like Utah anymore. Like, maybe that's really what it is. I think he's just become, it's become complacent in my, my opinion. You know, he's just, you know, a lot of times guys get this, you know, this, this, this title of, you know, when you get your money, it makes you change who you are and it changes how your game is being translated onto the court. And I, Seeing, you know, him over the last few seasons, I can understand it if that's what you wanted to say about him. And I can also understand if you, that's not what you wanted to – not how you wanted to narrate him. But at the same time, you know, it's – I think the, the problem is with the Jazz is their identity is that outside of Donovan Mitchell, what is the plan? Like, what are you going to do – you know, when he doesn't have it going or, you know, teams are focusing in and taking him out of games. Like, what are you what are you doing? Because you have to – to me, you have to come up with some type of offensive game plan that kind of revolves around him. 
and I think you're putting too much on him to basically try to win you different ball games because and it hurts because you got a guy like Rudy Gobert sitting in the middle of the floor who doesn't really give you anything on offense. So essentially you're playing five on four every time you come down the court. So I think that's what really hurts the Jazz in my opinion. I mean, another thing with Donovan Mitchell, I don't think that you can go very far with him as your number one option. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's he gets it. the second round. But I, I don't see you beating one of the top four teams in the West, whether it's Golden State or – the Clippers, if they ever get healthy again, um, I don't know what's going to happen with them this off season. But um, then the, the Nuggets, even the even the Grizzlies, I don't I don't think that that they'd be able to beat the Grizzlies. I mean, we talked about this on like Wednesday, like we were saying Donovan Mitchell is your number one option. It's just it's not going to get it done. Like he can he can get you to the play, he can help you get to the playoffs. He can even get you past round one. I don't really necessarily think he can really always get you past round one, really depending on who you're playing. Yeah. But just him as your number one option is just not going to get it done. Like, that's just not – I just – like, and I mean, I feel bad because I like Donovan Mitchell as a player. Like, I like – I kind of like his play style a little bit, even though, granted, I think he is, like, a really big volume shooter. Like, he got to get a lot of shots up in order to get his points. Like, I don't think he's very efficient. But I like his play style. So – but, all right, so taking that into account, you're saying it's possible for Utah, but you don't really see it because you don't believe in them, which I don't, I don't know if anybody in the basketball world believes in them. I mean, them snatching that first game is really their only saving grace right now because they, they very much so could have lost that first game. But I mean, if they lose this game, then it's curtains. I would say that's curtains. Luka may be able to play in the next game. They had him, I think, doubtful for this one. They ended up playing it safe and not. Not uh, not playing him, but he should be back sometime soon. Unless that happens, uh, I don't think um, Jazz can can come back from from that. Okay, so looking at so looking at everything as it as it stands, you know, if we're going if we're going down the list, we're saying you know next round, you know, Miami's going to be Atlanta. I think everybody thinks that's going to happen. You know, Atlanta had to get a bad game from Jimmy Butler, Bam, and Tyler Hero, basically. And I wouldn't even call that a bad game. I would call that basically. A Bad quarter. Well, I'm just saying they, they needed a lot of things to go wrong, and they needed Trey Young to hit a to hit a floater for the win to win. So I mean, we can kind of pretty much count Miami into the next round. Yeah, pretty. I much. think what really killed Miami in that game is the fact that Kyle Lowry got hurt in the beginning of the fourth. Yeah, I agree. And they started taking bad shots, uh, especially Jimmy Butler. Um, he took a lot of bad shots at the end of that game, and the last, the final shot of the game he took was kind of wild. I know yeah, it wasn't a lot of time left, but you can. <laughs> you, 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 out of a right timeout with four and a half seconds left, you could have came up with something better than that. Yeah. Mm. But, but even even with, even all, with that, all of that being said, Miami still wins that series. Okay, and I think even with I'm not gonna. I mean, of course, I'm a Philly fan, so of course I would say something like this. But I did say before the playoffs started, um, I got Philly winning in five. No Scotty Barnes at all. I thought it was gonna be four, but. Scotty Barnes coming back. I still think I still think they win in five. I think we go back to Philly and we wrap the series up and you know prepare for round two. Um, but even if it doesn't end in five, even if you say six, I still think Philly wraps up that series. Yeah, I mean it already started at three zero. Toronto. I don't see them being able to. They they got they stole one today, but I don't think them. I don't see them grabbing three more wins and two of the, two of them happen to be in Philly. I don't see that happening. 
especially with Thibault being able to play at home. So. And then, of course, we get to the most perplexing series probably of the entire playoffs. I mean, I thought with Chris Middleton going down, Milwaukee was going to struggle, but then they just beat the living hell out of oh. Chicago, like beat the dog shit out of them. So, I mean – I guess that might that's probably going to end in about another 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 two or three games. I mean, I don't see that going six either, really. But but what do y'all really think about Chicago? Because I don't know what to make of them. I think Lonzo Ball getting hurt hurt them a lot more than most people probably I may agree. have thought initially. I absolutely agree. Lonzo Ball being hurt kind of took away like their episode. Their 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 play initiator because now like when you no, watch them play now, Levine and DeRozan come down and they figure something out. It's kind of like the, almost the same thing that y'all doing in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but I want to say probably with a little bit less creativity, and they have better role players, so that's probably like the only saving grace. And then they have Vucevic, so Vucevic is kind of is is better than everybody else on Brooklyn that's not named Kyrie and KD. True. So I mean, with that being said, I think that's their real their main saving grace. And then some of like they have a, a established rotation at this point, like. You know Io is going to play. You know Caruso is going to play. You know Vucevic is going to play. Um, and they bring in that other big man from the bench. But they pretty much have like a, a eight or nine man rotation. Like they know that's what they're going with every night. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the rotation they've been running with all season. So, I mean, I guess that's probably the only thing that's been their saving grace somewhat for that, for it not being a blowout every game. And, of course, the Rosen having – the Rosen dropping 40 and Vucevic having 30 – that's going to help you all too. But I don't – I can't make heads or tails of them. I think, uh, like I said, with Middleton being out, I thought they were going to make it a series. But then Giannis and Milwaukee came and dog-walked them last night. So, I mean, do either one of y'all think it goes past game five? I didn't, I didn't have it past that, even with Middleton hurt. Um, <laughs> I think they're going to struggle in the second round, depending on who they play. But the, I, I'm – the way that Chicago played after Alonzo got hurt, I don't think that's a serious playoff team. Uh, I don't I don't know what it is about them, whether they need to find an identity or something. DeMar DeRozan's been playing like out of his mind, but they need Besides last they game. need they need something else. So Well DeMar, I mean DeMar had a bad first game, you know, he saw six of twenty, but yeah. then he infamously came out and said, I'm never gonna shoot six of twenty again and then drop forty, so but um, then we get to, of course, to the Brooklyn Nets and Boston. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, um, I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry, Steve. You know, I got this going maybe five or six. If y'all win tonight, I think it goes five. If y'all don't win tonight, I think it goes four. I mean, the way I see it is if he can somehow find a way to, you know, make things work out for him and, you know, the right things happen and you somehow scrape two wins out of Brooklyn – then I think you actually have a shot because, you know, game one you lost by one. It took a game winning layup to win that game. Game two, you were up by a certain amount of points and then you ended up on the lead. But at the same time, I think there's a a silver lining to, you know, those two games of showing that, you know, th- there are things that can go right to help you win games. And I think, you know, being at home now will definitely help. So, you know, scra- scraping away two wins at home could really sway the series. You could really snatch the momentum if you get the next two games at home, and then now it becomes a problem. I guess my biggest concern is that KD is playing so badly, and 
y'all lost last game and Tatum played badly. Like, he had a good, like, last five or six minutes of the game, but he played badly pretty much the whole game. And y'all lost. And I think y'all, y'all really were a game one Kyrie, like Kyrie's game one explosion. If that didn't happen, y'all might have lost, y'all probably would have lost game one more handily. But he came out and dropped 30. If an efficient, an efficient 30 at that. So like, I guess that's my only concern. It's just like, like y'all have y'all have times where like y'all, like last game, y'all had so many things going for you against the Celtics, and y'all still lost. And then of course, like, like I mean, you would assume it's it's Kevin Durant. Like, you know, we all know who he is. He's Kevin Durant. You would assume he's going to get out of the slump, but you never really know. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, so you just got to give credit where credit is due. And like I said, this is the first time that I can even remember watching KD play that yeah. this is this is a whole different type of defense that I'm pretty sure he's never seen before. So, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I, I give credit to Boston for, you know, game planning to make sure that, you know, they could control how things work out against them. So, you know. Um, then the next series, of course, is New Orleans and Phoenix. Um, I got this going six, mainly just because I don't I don't know if they're going to put Devin Booker back out there unless it really looks dire. Um, and the way Aiden kind of destroyed Valachunas and Jackson Hayes last night, I mean, I don't really – I don't really see a point in bringing Devin Booker back if you think you can win the series. You might as well go ahead and let him rest up and get ready for the rest of the playoffs. Like, I don't – Yeah, I mean – I mean, I, I give I give New Orleans credit. They, they're they scrappy and they're, you know, making things a little difficult. Um, but scrappy is cute. Like, you know, like – like it's like when you're playing football or basketball and little kids are there and, you know, they're trying to play with you and you're like, oh, he's scrappy. But you know you're going to, like, beat the living hell out of him. You know, it's like, yeah, he's scrappy, but he, he's going to lose. Yeah, but, I mean, they they putting up – to me, they putting up a decent fight. I mean, you know, Brandon Ingram's playing really well. Uh, CJ is actually being a, a very good complement to that. Um, you know, they got the, the young boy Herb Jones. He's been playing well. Uh, Murphy's been shooting pretty well, but I just think as a, a collective unit, I think Phoenix is just too much for them. Um, watching that game last night, it was, you know, it was entertaining for a while, but then, you know, the point God himself had to step in and say, all right, this is, this is a wrap, you know, let me put my finishing touch on this and, you know, get us out of here with a W, so. Um, and the house that Chris Paul built. Right, right, right. You can't forget about that. But, you know, I, to me, I don't, six, I can see it. To me personally, I think it goes five. I think Phoenix wins the next game, and then they go back home to finish it off. You know, hopefully they can buy some time for Devin Booker, you know, because I think next round they would end up playing, what, the winner of the Mavs-Utah series. So, you know, basically I think they're trying to get this, you know, over with as quick as possible so, you know, they can get their quote-unquote MVP candidate back on the floor and, you know, make a legitimate push to, you know, try to get that title. I think they can beat either one of those teams, even if Devin Booker takes a while to come back. Definitely beat the Jazz without without Devin Booker at all, but I don't think they – I don't think the Mavs could beat them. Okay. And so, I mean, you know, if we just skip over Dallas and Utah, because we all already pretty much said we think even without Luka, Dallas might put them away. If, once we get that past that, though, it gets to the Warriors in Denver. I mean, you know, 
I would say I think it may become a gentleman's sweep, but I'm pretty doubtful of that. Uh, I think, I think, uh, yeah, the new death lineup is probably going to send Denver fishing. Uh, we'll send Jokic back to back to his home country. It might send, uh, you know, the rest of them. The rest of them Bama's fishing over in over in the south or something. I don't know, but they're not going to be in the playoffs no more after 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 this week coming after the next two or three days coming up. Um, then you get to probably the most interesting series of the first round. Um, you know, you got Memphis versus Minnesota. And I thought after game one, I felt really confident about Minnesota. And then in game two, I was reminded that Cat really has no heart when it comes to playing basketball. Um, and, I, and I agree with you because at the beginning when, you know, when the playoffs started, I, I, I looked at that series and I thought, you know what? I really think Minnesota had a chance. But, like it's gonna be a good series, and, like and like you said, that first game it was like you know what I really do, and then after that it was. And Edwards taking bad shots. Patrick Beverly got the most heart on the on the team, you know. D'Lo taking terrible shots, and then Cat Cat might as well be might as well be my height. So I mean, you know, that's just like we talked about the other night. You know, Cat ending that game with the same amount of fouls as he did rebounds just doesn't make sense to me. Like you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be, quote-unquote, the best player on that team, and you putting up those type of performances, and then you hearing sound bites of him on the sideline talking about, oh, we're in Minnesota now. But then you end up blowing a 26-point lead. Like, I don't – you haven't done anything, so – But I blame that on the coach, too. I can't – like, if I, if I see my guys – if I see my guys struggling and it's a 20-0 run we're going into – I gotta just, I gotta, I gotta at least call a timeout to get to get guys together. I gotta, I gotta make sure guys are okay. Like you know, like just from a mental standpoint, I gotta make sure everybody's like, hey, don't get down in the dumps. We, you know, we let them make a run, but you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, for, we're gonna force, we're gonna force, you know, force them back down. We're gonna force them back into a box. We're gonna try and like stop the run, stop the bleeding, you know, something. But a twenty oh one, and you don't, and you don't call a timeout, like you just, like you. You're getting lit up, all right? And at they, home. They beating that. They, they, and they're not just lighting you up. It's, it's embarrassing how they're doing things to, you, things to you at home, which is what you wanted. And you're not calling a timeout or nothing? Like, no no adjustments, no sets, nothing? So, I mean, I don't, I don't completely blame the players for that. I mean, granted, again, they're a young team, relatively, like, speaking, like, thinking about the whole team as a whole, not just D'Lo and Pat Bev. But, like, yeah, I blame that more on coaching, personally. Victory lap on that because I told y'all niggas. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't trust Carl Towns. I don't care what anybody says. I don't want that nigga as my big man. I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan, and I wouldn't want him on, on my team. So, well, that's different. Y'all, you feel like y'all have enough offense. You want some defense. So, I mean, yeah, that, that, he's he's I not gonna really help. It's not even just offense. about the offense. It's about it's about I don't, I don't, his mental state. To me, is just yeah, you. You're a seven footer. You you, you want to be known as the best shooting big man of all time. Which, by the way, I don't understand where that came from because I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but did Dirk Nowinski die or something? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I, I don't like that nigga at all. I think he's soft. I don't think he has any heart. But I think that's what you need out of, out of a big man. You, you got Your big man got to be willing to do the dirty work. And he, he just not, he not it, man. He's not it. 
I don't know what the Timberwolves are going to do in the future, but I don't think that you can go anywhere with Carl Towns as a main piece unless you have a, a superstar that can carry him. And like a legit superstar, not somebody who who's really good. Like, I don't think that Devin Booker would be able to carry him to a championship. It had to be somebody like a KD or Giannis or LeBron. <laughs> but outside of that, I don't see a team going anywhere with Carl Towns. All right. So now, I mean, with all of that being said, taking everything into account, we get into the second round matchups, and it would essentially be you got Golden State going against Memphis. You got Dallas against you got Dallas going against Phoenix. You got Boston going against Milwaukee. You got Philly going against Miami. Just quick fire. Chris, who you taking who you taking in the Philly versus Miami? And how many games? Uh, I got Miami in six. Um, I think that their defense is too good and the offensive sets they run are just are gonna kill and kill Philly. Um, with how James Harden's been playing recently, unless he's able to turn back the clock, I think I think Philly would be in trouble. Uh, I feel bad for Joel Embiid because he <laughs> he it seems like he can't catch a break with running mates, but uh, shit, that's how it is. Understandable. I mean, well, James Harden got the lean gut, as my man Dave said earlier, so we're not gonna really think about any type of turning back the clock or anything like that, Steve. Um, I would love to say six, basically because of how Joel has played, but because of the different, you know, looks and the different, the different style of defense that, you know, Miami plays, being one of the best defensive teams in the league, it's kind of hard for me to think that the Sixers can push that to a six-game series. To me personally, I think that series ends in five. Um... I think Philly, you know, outside of Embiid, you know, they have too many things that need to go right, you know, for them to, you know, even have a, you know, a legitimate chance to, you know, make a serious run at Miami. Because um, I think Miami is going to be willing to let Joel do what he does. And as long as James Harden keeps putting out the, the James Harden that we see now, it's not going to really make that much of an impact against a team that can throw multiple bodies at them. You know, you got Jimmy, you got P.J. Tucker, you know, all that type of stuff. And, you know, Bam can hold his own, you know. To me, like I said before, I don't think there's any defender in the league that can physically guard Joel Embiid one-on-one. But I think Bam is on the list where of guys who can potentially slow him down a bit to where, you know, his team can, you know, make things, you know, work for their, work in their favor. And then by that point, it's really nothing Joel can do at that at the end of the day. So um, I think it would, it will force Maxie to have to keep playing the way he is. But like I said, the same way they can do to James Harden is the same thing they can do to him is that they can throw multiple bodies at him that is going to make it difficult for him to, you know, continue being who he is right now. So... Like I said, I would love to say six, but I think five is the more realistic number in my my opinion. I mean, I guess I'll be the outlier. I think I think it's gonna go seven, and I actually got Philly winning. Oh, yeah, you yeah. smoke the rocks, John. Yeah. Is, that, is that the bias talking? <laughs> or is it's, a little, it's a little bit of the bias. It's a, it's a little bit of the bias. I mean, it's, it's a little bias in there. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. 
I mean, you know, I, I ain't going to take nothing just laying down. I mean, I'm going to say this. I think with the way Joel is playing, I don't think James Harden has to be great. That's the thing. I think he just has to be good. You know, Jimmy Butler's going to be checking him, right? Right. But that's, again, I'm not, I don't need him to be great. Like, I don't need – this is the thing. I don't need James Harden to drop 30. I don't even need him to drop 25. If he can give me 20 a night and be efficient, he's been passing the ball extremely well. He's been passing the ball extremely well throughout this entire series so far. And ever since he really got to Philly. All I'm saying is I don't need James Harden to be great. I just need him to be good enough. If he's good enough and Maxie is good enough and Tobias Harris is decent, we win the series. But I just think it's, it's difficult because you're asking guys – and don't forget, Maxie's been playing what this is the first bad game Maxie had all this series. Right. But I mean but at the same time, he hasn't played against defenses on a consistent basis like Miami's gonna throw at him. Well that's the thing. Toronto's defense is not bad. That's what we're seeing. That's what we just saw tonight. That's what we, really what we've seen every every game of this series. Yeah, but the last game, game three, my Toronto's defense was not bad at all. We came back and won that game, remember, on a Joel. Three at the end. But Toronto. Toronto the problem with Toronto end. against the Sixers is that they have a scoring problem, and of course, Scotty getting hurt that one game really, really kind of changed the tide because you know the Rookie of the Year, you know, who's basically, you know, in the conversation of being probably the best player on that team, is you know you're going up against you know the the, the league's leading scorer. You got James Harden, Tyrese Maxey has been playing well. It's just I get what you're saying about Toronto not having a bad defense, but they're, they're to me I don't think they're close to what Miami can do as far as defense wise. And you know, being on being Miami being the better defensive team and can have multiple different people who can kill you offensively is what is the difference between facing Toronto and facing Miami. So Miami being able to kill you defensively and then turn it into offense is what I think causes a problem for the Sixers. I think that's Miami's main issue, though. I don't. I see Miami as one of those type of teams. They can play really, really, really amazing defense. Like their their defensive sets really are probably like second to only Boston's right now, and that's because Boston is completely switchable, pretty much just like Miami for the most part. Miami, the only person that can't switch is Lowry on the center. That's really about it. Boston, I think literally everyone is switching. It doesn't even matter like who you get switched off onto. All every everybody's switching. But I think Miami is going to run into the same issue they run into in previous playoffs where, yeah, your defense is great, but they're going to have issues scoring at certain points. And they're going to have those big gaps. They've had them against Atlanta already. The issue is Atlanta just can't score on them. They can't, they, like Atlanta, I think it was in game two or game one, they looked, both of them went six minutes without a field goal. Like, both teams. And, like, Granted, yeah, Atlanta's going to struggle to score against you because they're a perimeter-oriented team. Like, they don't have any inside game for them. They don't have a guy that's going to take it to the bucket. They don't have a guy that's going to post up down there and get, and get some dirty work done. They don't have either one of those things. Versus a team like Philly, we have a guy that can just go down there. We can dump it to Joel, and we can have him go down there in the basket. And if it's, if it's Joel and Bam one-on-one, I'm taking Joel every time. No offense to Bam. I do think Bam got cheated out of the, whole, in the defensive player of the year running this year. But I don't trust him guarding Joel on the island eight times out of ten. I'll say two, may, two, maybe three times, Bam might get him. But I think over, the overwhelming majority of the time, Joel is probably going to win that matchup. 
And then the thing about it is, again, I don't trust Miami scoring. Like, you're right. They have different guys that can kill you. But in the playoffs, I'm not about to see – I don't see Gabe Vincent having a 20-point game. I don't see – I don't know if Victor Oladipo is going to play at this point. Like, I don't know, like, what he look, like what he's, if he's going to be in the rotation at all. I would expect him to be. No, he's not in the rotation. They don't play him. But and – and so there again. So now I'm looking at – I know P.J. Tucker's not about to kill me. Kyle Lowry's not about to kill me anymore. So now I'm really looking at it. And I'm like, all right. So Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero probably probably is going to have a great game. Jimmy Butler is going to, of course, have a great series probably. And then bam. But I don't really consider the rest of that offense like. Max Schuster, and Duncan Robinson are going to go off. I think Duncan Robinson will have a pretty decent game, but I don't see Max Struess really killing me either. But you don't necessarily need those guys to have astronomical games. You just need them to affect the game yeah. in certain ways that I think would be a little bit too much for Philly to 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 handle. Because, like you said, Jimmy can have a great game. Bam can have a great game. But then when you got guys like, even if guys like Gabe Vincent or Max Struess can put up a 12, 14-point night. That's all they need. That's all Miami really needs. Or Duncan Robinson, which has a game, like, at any point he does, again, that same, that game, what was that, game one against Atlanta? Yeah, he, well, he was doing target at, practice. At, at any point, <laughs> you never know, like, with his shooting ability, how he can basically be instant offense at any given point is what I think really, really causes problems for not just Philly, but really any team that they play. <coughs> because, Excuse me. Because it's like you, you don't necessarily – like their role players, they understand that I don't necessarily need to, you know, take over the game. I don't need to have a, a career night, but I just need to affect the game. Maybe even just slightly that will basically sway things in Miami's favor, you know. But I guess that's more so – I guess that's that becomes my question to people. Like who do you – who are you trusting more to have big games at those moments? Are you trusting Duncan Robinson over Maxi? Are you trusting? Because I mean, because I mean, I guess I guess my thing about it is the way I look at it is, Embiid and Harden and Bam and Jimmy is basically a stalemate to me because Jimmy, I, I trust Joel more than Bam, but of course I trust Jimmy way more than I trust Harden. Yeah. So then it becomes like a battle of role players. Like, who do you trust more? Do you trust PJ Tucker? Um, Duncan Robinson, and I guess I would say Max Struess or Kyle Lowry. Well, I guess you could say Max Struess and Kyle Lowry because they're both in the rotation. Do you trust them that much more than you trust yes. Maxi, Tobias Harris? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say Niang because I don't trust Niang. But do you trust them more than than Maxi, Tobias Harris, and Thibel? Do you trust that much more? Like, if you trust them more, I understand that. I have no issue with that. But do you trust them that much more to say it's going to be a game, it's going to be a five game series? That's my that's where it comes down to me. I would have to say yes because outside of basically, um, so like role players from Miami, you got Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. I did forget about Tyler. Uh, P.J. Tucker, um, Max Strews, Kyle Lowry, those type of guys. Outside of maybe outside of Robinson and Hero, you got. You got guys that the, the guy the, they can affect. Not only they can they can affect the game offensively, but they can also do it defensively. Like the guys in Philly, 
they can affect the game offensively, but they're never outside of Thibault. They're not going to change anything for you on defense. I think Max is actually a really good defender at the guard position. He's not phenomenal. Are don't get me wrong. Defender? I don't know about that. I think he's a good defender. I he's think not, he, I think he's, he's not great. He's, he's not, not amazing. He's not a horrible defender. But he's not. He, he can hold his own, is what I will say. Yeah, I'll but say he's solid. But but, but again, but there, therein lies my point because my thing about it is when I look at it, that finals run with Miami is where Tyler Hero got his name. Like that final run in the bubble. But then last year in the playoffs, he played terribly. But he had a whole he had a horrible season altogether last year. This season. Yeah, he had a bad season compared to what they were saying he was going to do, I guess. I guess I could, should say that, I guess, instead. And then in the playoffs, he didn't. He played pretty badly in the playoffs. But I guess, you know, fast forward to this season, he's, of course, playing. He turned, he turned, he turned, he turned the page this year. He's playing almost a completely different type of game in almost terms of, like, in terms of being efficient. You know, sixth man of the year candidate almost to me. And I look at that and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, I know Kyle Lowry has it in the playoffs. I know I, I can I, I'll count on Hero having it in the playoffs, but and I'll, I'll even count Duncan Robinson because he's been there before. But Max Struess has never been here before. Like and again, Atlanta's a terrible defensive team. They're horrible. So if you can go six minutes without getting a field goal against Atlanta of all teams, and it's no Capella on the floor, that would be something that would make me nervous going into the next round because I, it's basically a it's it's a layup line. It's a beginning of the game layup line. Against that type of team. And you go six minutes without scoring. Yeah, but the problem is, is that you have to have that. They, You have to expect, you have to basically fall back on that one game that they just had against Atlanta where they, like you said, they went six minutes without scoring. You would need that to happen four times. No, I'm not saying I need that to happen four times. But what I'm saying is if you're struggling that much to score against a bad defensive team, like Atlanta's not a middle of the a middle of the pack or middle of the road defensive team. Like they're a really bad defensive team. If you're struggling to score like that against them at all, then I can only imagine what it's gonna look like when you're playing a team that's actually good on defense. Now, even if it's not Philly, even if they get past this. And I'm I'm saying Philly in seven, but it could very well be Miami in seven. I just don't think it's gonna be a five game series. John, I don't it, know if you I don't know if you watched that game. Wasn't missing shots because of Atlanta's defense. They were just missing shots, yeah, which uh, happens. The teams go cold, but I mean, it happened to be in the, in the beginning of the game, so it it doesn't look as good. But I, I don't take that away from it, from anybody. Anybody can can miss can miss shots. So if that's what you're banking on, bro, <laughs> I'm not just banking on. But again, if you I'm I'm speaking directly of the, I'm speaking directly from the point of even again if they get past Philly. I don't see if you have if you if you struggling like that to score against Atlanta at any point, even if you are just missing shots, if you're still struggling at any point, because I mean even if if you're struggling to miss shots, typically what do you do as a team? You go for an easy shot. You go get an easy basket. That would that would that would involve you going towards the rim. And again, with no Capella, I would assume going towards the rim wouldn't be as big of an issue because there's no shot blocker down there no more. Even if John Collins is there. I don't really fear him around the basket. So if you're struggling at any point in time to score at all against Atlanta, that makes me nervous because if you go to somewhere like Milwaukee, if you're missing shots, you're really going to struggle to score. That six-minute time with you, with while you get in the field goal might turn into eight minutes, and that's over half a quarter. I mean, I get that, but at the same time, you got to – to me, it just makes it look like that's really asking for a lot because in a seven-game series – you can't necessarily bank that that's going to happen, you know, enough for you. You can't bank on the fact that 
because it's happened in one game that they played this this in this in this playoffs. I mean, don't get me wrong. This happened. This it happened in game one, and I mean they they struggled to score in the fourth quarter of game of this game game three. But I mean, Kyle Lowry was hurt. I say yeah. So I mean, I credit to credit where due to credit to where credit is due. You know, the initiator they've had all season got hurt. So, but I mean, respectfully, I I understand. I can I can definitely agree with Chris's take. You know, six games, Miami. I can see that happening. I don't see this series ending in five, unless. Embiid actually gets hurt. If Embiid gets hurt, then it'll, then it'll probably end in four. But if Embiid is healthy, it's going to at least go six games out of there. If Embiid gets hurt, that series is over in two yeah. and a half. So, you know, with that being said, you know, Miami and Philly, you know, the overwhelming majority is picking Miami, probably with the rest of the world. Then you would have Milwaukee and Boston, you know, just quick fire. Who's your pick? Boston. Yeah. Um, Boston, defense, like I said, defensive-wise, they – the different looks they can throw at him, you know, like I said, Robert Williams getting coming back and you know being as healthy as he possibly can be, that can necessarily not necessarily neutralize Giannis, but definitely slow him down. And then outside of that, you know, you would have to depend on Drew Holiday to stay consistent, Chris Middleton to stay consistent, and the other guys around those three would have to basically have the series of their careers to even. You know, even scrape that by. So I would probably say Boston wins that, maybe in six. Um, I I don't necessarily think see it going seven. You know, especially with you know Boston having a home court advantage in that in that situation. I don't. I can't see that going seven. Um, I can see you know Giannis having a couple great games that can will them to two Ws. Probably both of them being at home. But outside of that. Really, I think it's, it's it's just Boston makes everything so tough because, you know, at the beginning of the year, you saw how Tatum and Brown were playing and people were ready to write them off the ship. They were a few games under 500 and people were questioning, you know, are these two guys even, you know, willing to keep together? Can they play together? Who's going to trade who? I was one of those people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was too. I was going to say, I'll, I'll be I'll honest. Agree, I was one, I was one, of, one of those two, people. But, you know, once the – not even necessarily at All-Star break, even before that. Once that calendar year flipped over, they just turned into a whole different team. Now, you know, they're both getting other guys involved. You know, you got the defensive player of the year, you know, doing his thing. You know, Robert Williams is, to me, still steadily improving every, not even just every year, but every game at this point where he's, you know, affecting the game somehow. You know, you got the, uh, like I said, like I said earlier in the, in the, in the show, you know, you got to give a shout out to Al Horford, who's a you know, a guy who's been around the league, who's, who's the elder statesman. Yeah, he's basically done it all, and like Chris said, he's a very good defender. Even at his age, he's still a good defender. Um, and you know, even even something as simple as you know, a guy like Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench and doing what he did last game, you never know when that's going to happen. But you know, as long as they can consistently which they've shown so far, consistently keep playing smothering defense, I think they give pretty much any team they play a problem. Okay. Um, one of, without Chris Middleton there, their best perimeter defender is Drew Holiday. But my thing is, who, who are you going to have Drew Holiday check in that series? I mean, I think even with Chris Middleton there, he's still their best perimeter defender. Yeah. I mean, but, but. I mean 
I don't I don't know who you're gonna put Drew Holiday on. Putting him on Marcus Smart would be a waste. Putting him on Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. He's a great defender. Uh, that size difference might may just be too much, especially since both of them can play in the post. So understandable. I mean, I'm gonna go Milwaukee. Um, I just learned a long time ago you never count on a champion. Like you can't. Like if they've been there before, they know how to get there. I'm going to go – I would go – I think this is, again, would be another seven-game series, though. Like, if you told me Boston would win in seven, I'd be like, all right, I can see that. You told me Milwaukee would win in seven, I'd say, all right, I can see that. Like, they figure something out. Or, you know, they figure out a chink in Boston's armor on their defensive end, and, you know, they, they, they run with it. So, either way, you know, I think it's going seven. Um, next up, you got what would be Phoenix and Dallas. Now, Chris said earlier he don't see – Dallas or Utah, either one of them beating Phoenix. I also do not see either one of them beating Phoenix. So I think this will probably be one of the shorter series, and I think this goes five either way. And no matter who gets through, I mean, we're assuming Dallas gets through, but I would think it would go five for Phoenix. And that's, that's if Devin Booker comes back in that series. Like, if he doesn't come back for the remainder of this Pelican series and he comes back in the middle of that series, I think it's going five. I think if he's there healthy at the start, it's probably four. Like, I think they sweep them and, and go sit in the conference finals and wait. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, you know, not necessarily knowing what's going to happen between Dallas and Utah right now, but I think we, we've all come into agreement that, you know, Dallas is going to pretty much, you know, figure it out and get out of that series. Um, but with that being said, you know, was that is it to me? Devin Booker would you know when he will be able to come back in that series will probably still be a factor, but I don't think it'll be a factor that'll that'll kill Phoenix in the long run against either one of those teams. So I agree. I would probably say that series will probably go five. Um, you know, another shout out to Jalen Brunson to doing his thing, but I think Phoenix would just be too much for him. You know, Luca. You know, having played in a couple of weeks and then having to, you know, come back and go against a team like Phoenix, I think that'll just be way too much for them. So, yeah, I agree with the, the five game in that one. Mm-hmm. I, I see it going five if Devin Booker comes back to start. Uh, six if he's if he's not there at all. It takes a while to come back. Um, I think Luca can get through two wins. But I don't see it going any further than that. Okay. Um, Jalen Brunson is a is a great player, but Phoenix is too good, man. With with, with just Cole too much running at home, and they just have, they they're they're a perfectly run team right now. So. All right, I mean the last series we would have the second round would be Golden State versus Memphis. The most the most entertaining yeah. one probably at this point. Five. Yeah, like I can't, I can't even. I mean, I wanna, I wanna jump on the Memphis bandwagon. I do, like you know, like we running up the chimney looking for smoke. Like I like it. Don't get me wrong, I love it. I really do. I think if this is next year, this is probably a seven game series. But as it stands right now, I think the only thing Memphis would have going for them in the series is that they will have home court advantage. But I, even then, that Golden State's just too much for them. 
Like that death lineup actually would give me nightmares if I was a coach. Like I'd be like, damn, dog. Like, because, <laughs> because, it's like, because with Memphis, they don't have like they have decent defenders. Like Dylan Brooks is a decent defender. Zaire Williams is a decent defender, but they're just not game changing defenders. And it's like, I think what Memphis. I think the thing with Memphis is they have Stephen Adams as an anchor, and then they have a lot of athletes. But, but the One problem defense. with Steven Adams is that is basically is they're basically what they're doing with him in this series is that he can't see a lot of floor time because, you know, outside of him, you know, he can he he's a he, to me Steven Adams is a very very good interior defender. But when it comes to him, he's he's almost like Gobert at this aspect. Like if you bring him out the paint. Then he gives you nothing. I don't think he's as much of food as Gobert. No, 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 no. Like I, I feel like, like if Gobert. We talk about, we've talked about uh, this <laughs> when, when Gobert say. gets switched onto a guard, he has absolutely like I, no idea. Like guards get happy. Team. Like they get they get excited. Like it's, like, <laughs> it's like watching watching a ba- a newborn baby try to walk for the first time, watching him play defense on the perimeter. Like he has no idea what to do with his feet. Stephen Adams. He's kind of the same way. He's not. I don't think he's not nearly as bad as Gobert is. Yeah, I, like. think he's, <laughs> I think at the same time, you know, he, without him being able to give you anything offensively and Golden State, I don't have to kill you on the inside, but I can five out you basically like, like what Minnesota can do, you know, besides having Cat, you know, being on the floor, but, you know, the, you know, Draymond primarily playing the five. Like, the only way Steven Adams stays on the floor most of the time against the Warriors is if, Kalon, if Kevon Looney's on the floor. And at the same time, Kevon Looney's only going to play, like, what, maybe 15 to 18 minutes a game? Yeah. So, with that, it's basically that's the only way Steven Adams stays on the floor. Other than that, you have to go small against the Warriors because if you don't, yeah, just, just go ahead and hang it up because there's nothing you can do. It's nothing you can do. Yeah, Golden State might close them out at four. I want to say the heart in Memphis might I, get I think them Mif- I think Memphis is their 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 youth and their toughness and their their the way they play. Won't we'll get think, them what? I think they can get them one game. Oh, uh, I think just one. <laughs> and, and to be you think they're gonna catch Golden State sleeping and they just go? <laughs> to me, they're gonna go one of the. It will definitely be a home game. It will definitely be in Memphis. But outside of that, I don't see that series going more than five games. It would. So those, I think a couple of them games would be very entertaining, but I think it's going four. <laughs> Even Memphis, Memphis could be rocking. Memphis could be rocking. Yeah, I mean, Memphis. Because at electric. the same time, I thought Atlanta had no chance of getting one against Miami, and then you can bring Mike Breen in there and that humdiddly D nigga from 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 Charlotte. No, please, whatever. Man. Like Collins, it don't matter who you bring in there. Unless unless Prime Jordan walks through those doors, they have no shot. Like it's it's I think it's going for. Like I think I think they might make one game, at least one game, really really close. But I think experience and skill wins out for Golden State. Like it just and just the the, the way that death lineup is playing. Like it's just it, it, it's it's I, I like Memphis. I really do. But you know. Them pulling Golden State in the second round is where that all ends. Yeah, so. it's very tragic actually, but kind of the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah, a good experience for them though. Well, all right. Well, with all that being said, um, I'm gonna skip the the conference finals prediction. With all that being said, looking at how everything is constructed going into the second round, going into what we believe is gonna be the second round, your finals prediction. I still can't decide between 
lie between Phoenix and Golden State. I got to see how Devin Booker looks when he comes back. If he comes back, the hamstring injuries are tricky. Um, and not to mention, this is the second one he's had this year. So, yeah. Um, out of the East, I got Boston. Um, I don't – I really don't think anybody can can play with them when they're at their, at their best. I've seen, we still haven't seen the best of them on offense against the Nets yet. They've been playing really well defensively, but offensively, they—I've seen them play better. That's true. Jason Tatum has not had a lot of great, has not had two great games. So I mean, if, if they can get all that together, I—I I don't see anybody in the East being able to beat them, especially with Chris Middleton being hurt. So that's the only—that's the only type of—that's the only team in the East. The uh, the Bucks, I think, can give them any problems besides, you know, the Nets. I think the Nets got a chance at beating. The Bucks and the Nets only the only teams I give the shot against Boston, but I still got them as a favorite. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think. I mean, yeah, a lot of people would love to hear Miami, but you know, two defensive teams, somebody's got to come out on top on offense, and I, I don't I don't think it's any question to me that Boston is the better offensive team between those two. So you just believe in Boston's offense more, like you just yeah, kind of have to. You just, you you just have Duncan Robinson on either Jason Tatum or. No, you probably have PJ Tucker. But even then, it's just no. I'm not gonna say that because I mean, granted, the way I guess the way I look at things is, and I mean, you know, granted, it's one side. It's a, it's a, it's one. Of course, it's one side of me. You all know that would want to say I think Philly can get to the finals, but you know, I'm also a realist, and I'm gonna say you know, I think Philly, I think Philly's ceiling is probably the conference finals somehow, some way. If we beat Miami, I think if we ran into Boston. Um, it'd probably go six, but I think Boston would win out. But my thing about Miami and Boston is Jimmy, PJ, and Kyle Lowry have been there before. And I guess, like, my thing about it is, like, the regular season, like, yeah, like, all of the, like, you know, like, they're playing so amazing. They're so tough. Like, all of that shit looks amazing in the regular season. But in my, just from what I've seen in the postseason of every single sport, Experience wins out when the skill gap ain't that far. Like I think the I think the thing that helped Golden State when they went when they made their first finals run is that their skill gap was so far between everybody else they played, especially like all of the starting point guards that played defense. Mike Conley was there, and then he went down. Drew Holiday was down in the first round. Then Patrick Beverly got hurt in in, in the conference finals. Like their skill gap was just so much bigger than everybody else they played. But I feel like with Boston and Miami, that skill gap isn't really that big. It's just Jalen Brown basically being better than the second fiddle in Miami, which, I mean, the second fiddle being Bam, that's kind of debatable. So now you got to really look at it. And I look I look at it and I think, well, Bam, Jimmy, P.J. Tucker, Kyle Lowry, Tyler, like they've been there. They've been in the finals before. They got there. They know how to get there. Versus Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they got to the conference finals when they was kids. Like they got to game seven of the conference finals, mind you, when they was kids. Mm-hmm. I don't. You don't just know. You don't just know how to get over the hump. You got to figure it out. And not to mention when they were there as kids, they weren't even quote unquote the best player on that team, and they still drove a Cleveland team, a, Cle- a LeBron led Cleveland team in seven games. Brennan, that team was bad. But I guess my thing about it is getting close. Like it's not horseshoes. It's not horseshoes and it's not hand grenades. Getting close don't mean shit. 
So that I guess that's my whole thing. Like if I think if it came down to Boston and Miami, like if I think if Boston Boston's best case scenario is we somehow we somehow beat Miami in that next round and then they beat the shit out of us in the conference finals. I feel like that's their best case scenario. Their worst case scenario, I think, would be them having to play Miami and then have them having to go to Miami in a game seven and try to beat them in like that grinded out style. Did they lose in six? Was it five or six? Whatever it was, I know it didn't feel that close. I thought it was just one, that one game when um, Jimmy Butler went off. He went off in two games. It was two where he no, played. I mean, like the one where he, he really, really went off and he, he was like exhausted. Like that, that one picture where he's like leaning over the stanchion at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was 4-1 they lost that series. But I don't think that experience with them going there is too much different than getting to game seven of the conference finals. I mean, yeah, the finals is different than the conference finals, but it's still playoff experience nonetheless. Oh, yeah, it did go six and it's 14. Okay. But, but okay. I respect that. But so, Steve, yours is – I know you said Boston for the East, and you said who for the West? Um, it's, it's really a toss-up between Golden State and Phoenix. I think Phoenix still has that foul taste in their mouth about losing the finals last year, and it's made them, you know, a little hungry to, you know, kind of get back and kind of get over that hump. Um, Chris Paul still showing that, you know, even at his age, you know, he still really wants that ring and he's willing to do whatever it takes. Um, he's still affecting the game in so many different ways. Um, the Devin Booker injury is. Kind of what's like slow, it's like pushing that, pushing that that line for me back for them because you know, by then he would by the conference finals I think he'll be back by then. But you know how will he play? You know, like I said, this being his second hamstring injury this year, you know, is that going to slow him down at any point? Is that going to change how he plays? Is that going to? You know, be on his mind, you know, I want to be able to push my team to a W, but I don't want to push too hard because, you know, like like everyone understands, a hamstring injury, it never really truly goes away. It just, you know. At least not in this short of time. Yeah. So it's like it depends on, you know, how much rest he can get before he has to be forced back on the floor. Um, of course, Phoenix would love to have him back, you know, if they make it to the conference finals, which I think they will. Um, if he were be able to be back with a few get with a couple games under his belt by that point, that would be to me a winning scenario for them. Um, if he doesn't come back until that conference finals uh, gets started, I think now you're you're kind of changing the narrative because uh, you never know you never know like the, the lingering injur- injuries are the ones that really make you. You know, change how you do things, and you know, with the playoffs heating up by that point, you can't really, you don't want him to have that mindset, and it's going to be kind of hard for him not to. So I would, I, I, I started out with Phoenix, but the way Golden State has been playing, it, it's kind of hard to not say that they don't have a chance because they absolutely do. I think 
If I had to say right now, I would probably lean towards Golden State just because I don't know how this Devin Booker injury is going to play out. But um, I, uh, if he if he can come back and show me that you know he was the Devin Booker before he got hurt and you don't have to worry about anything you know going forward, then I think Phoenix can beat them. Um, but you know, if I had to pick right now, I would definitely choose Golden State. Okay. I mean, I'll I'll say this. I think Boston is coming out of the East. Um, again, I think Philly is going to beat Miami because I think Miami's offense is going to stagnate. It's going to become stagnant. But I think Boston is going to, of course, beat Philly. My only caveat in the West is whether or not Devin Booker is healthy enough. Like, is it, like if he comes back from his hamstring injury like James Harden did last year, then, yeah, of course, Golden State is probably going to run away with the West. Mm-hmm. But... If he comes back and he can actually play, then I think it's Phoenix because I think Phoenix just has too much going for them. They're well coached. They have so many different bodies and different and different combinations they can throw at you defensively. And I think Aiden introduces something different for Draymond Green than what he's typically used to facing. Like Jokic wants the ball at all times. So I feel like from one standpoint, that's easier to defend. For Draymond Green, they're having to defend a, a, a dude that's doing pick and rolls and then rolling to the basket. Now, I got to worry about this, like either of these guards in front of me. One of They might throw the lob. They might pull up for a mid-range. I really don't know. But now I got to worry about it because I got these two guards at the top. Neither one of them are really good defensively. So, I mean, I, I kind of got to try and cover up whatever mistake they're about to make. And the guards that's running downhill at me, they're both really good at capitalizing on defensive mistakes. Which a lot of times in that situation, it'll force Golden State to have Draymond. And, you know, Draymond would have to switch in a lot of those situations. And, and then you got to worry about whether or not Steph or Jordan Poole got to check DeAndre Aiden. So then, like, it's just it's one of those type of things, like, like, again, it's all based on whether or not Devin Booker is healthy. If Devin Booker is healthy enough to actually play, not, like, play on one leg but actually play, then I think Phoenix beats Golden State probably in like in like five in like six games to get to the finals. So that would be my pick. I think it would be Phoenix and Boston if Devin Booker is healthy enough to actually play. If Devin Booker can't play, then like I said, Phoenix probably dog walks him. I mean, Golden State probably dog walks him, gets to the finals. If they play Boston, they'll probably win. They'll probably beat Boston again. They'll probably beat Boston, you know, instead, you know, the whole Steph Curry is one of the greatest of all time. Those chants will probably start to come up and, you know, he'll probably get his first finals MVP unless he I mean, wets the bet again. Just the simple fact that you can't, you you. It's like this entire. You just can't get away from Golden State being who they are and being contenders for pretty much whatever season they feel like they want to be. It's they like, may never have a drop off. I think. Did, did you say that or did you say that? I think, that? I think Chris started that that that, that narrative, and I, yeah, they I, may. I, it makes you. They may it never, makes you automatically jump on board because when you look at their roster. And you know, you know, Steph's getting up there in age. Draymond's getting up there in age. Clay Thompson, you know, coming off two devastating injuries, still being able to be productive, but you know, he's never going to be the same Clay he was before. But just the young guys that they have around him, like I think we talked about it the other night, the fact that Andrew Wiggins is still only like twenty seven or twenty seven, twenty eight, and you got Jordan Poole at twenty two playing the way he's playing. You got James Wiseman coming back. You got James Wiseman. Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga. <laughs> I, 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 I told Chris about this other night. I don't understand how the NBA, how it was able for a team like Golden State, 
who everybody expected to eventually have one of those drop-offs, and then, pow, in the same draft, they could draft two guys of with the caliber that they are of Moody and Kaminga and being able to learn behind guys like Draymond, Steph, and Clay. I don't know how you let that happen, but, you know, it's here, and it's, it's like you said, like it's just, it doesn't seem like there's any fall-off that's going to happen for this team for a very long time. So... Well, is there anything? Is there any last words you all would like to say? You know, anything uh, you would like to end off with? Um, Doesn't matter what it is, you know. I don't want to hear anybody talk to me about Carl Towns being one of the best centers in the NBA again. <laughs> and I would probably have to say, um, I would be very interested to see how how things will work out in Utah once they inevitably get, you know, get the boot. Because to me, I think it's going to happen sometime in the near future, fairly soon, maybe in the next week or so, maybe even less than that. I'm just curious to see where do they go from here because I don't think, as far as, you know, everybody thinking the same thing, I don't think there's anything you can progress with with that team being constructed the way it is now. I think you have to, you know, cut your losses and start thinking about you know, rebuilding and figuring out where do you go from here. And one, you know, and one of these days in the pod, we definitely gonna talk about you know teams that just need to blow it up and just figure it out later. You know, Utah is definitely one of those teams that needs to blow it up. Um, I think Sacramento needs to just blow up the entire organization, but that's a story for another day. Um, but I do want to thank you all for tuning in to bad wins and good losses. Y'all have a good one. Thank you.